everybody. This is Francis McGarry, your host of the first podcast of First Online with Fran, featuring ordinary people doing extraordinary things in the arts. A little background about who I am and what I've done. I was an English and theater teacher for 30 years at Northport School District on Long Island, New York. And then from there, I got my PhD in educational theater at NYU, where I did some um, adjunct work with them in their student teaching program for developing people in the educational theater program. And then my doctoral work, which was on the Young Playwrights Festival, got me the position as director of instruction for Stephen Sondheim's Young Playwrights Inc. And that was a dream job because I not only got to work in the classroom with teachers, but also professional playwrights and teaching playwriting and teaching teachers and working with all these amazing young people and uh, talented people until 2011 when funding to the arts were cut and so was my job. So I decided to audition and work as a working actor and then I became angry because I knew that the arts were a very important part of our culture and I started to blog. One of the things that I felt very strongly about as uh, an English teacher and as a theater teacher is that the, you know, you could follow the professional path and that was always an option and parents would come up to me and say, oh, you know, should my son, daughter pursue this? and the kids would even ask me, you know, is this something that, that I should pursue? And I always answered their question with a question. And that was, can you live without it? Can you live your life without it? And if you can't, then there is your answer. And if you hesitate in the least bit, and I'm saying artists, not just I was a theater teacher, but I'm talking all kinds of artists, from photographers to musicians to um, graphic artists to acting to film work, whatever it is, if you cannot, if you can't see yourself as doing anything else, then you have your answer. And if you do, then you need to look at another option. I was an English teacher as well, and because my background was in educational theater, I always incorporated uh, drama strategies into the way that I taught literature, which was always hands-on. And so, for example, uh, I was teaching um, To Kill a Mockingbird, Harper Lee, to uh, a 10th grade English classes. And the way that I would introduce a book would to allow the students to get excited about wanting to read it. So that when I assigned so many chapters to read, oftentimes students would finish reading the whole book. And that's what you want to do. You want to get kids excited about reading, about why literature impacts our lives. And so the first day they walked in when I was going to introduce uh, Mockingbird and I had a line of different shoes on the floor. And at that point they knew, you know, what is uh, 
what's Dr. McGarry up to here? <laughs> they, they were like, okay, what is she going to do today? And so I said, I'd like you to, you know, step inside these shoes. And I had them speak based on the type of shoes that, that we had here. And we explored, you know, what it was about the shoes that gave them clues about who might personify those shoes. And I said, when you walk in somebody else's shoes, you have the opportunity to uh, investigate who are they and why do they behave that way. And I said, in you know, Harper Lee's book, uh, one of the main characters, Atticus Finch, says to one of his children, before you judge anybody, to crawl around in their skin and walk in their shoes before you make any judgments. My point is that the arts, using a device like that, is not necessarily an end result. Many people think of pursuing the arts as if it was putting on a play or putting on a performance or finishing a, a canvas. That is an end, an outcome of the arts. But as a teacher, it's the process, it's the exploration, it's the critical thinking that is involved to allow students to think of their interpretation of their world and thereby become sensitized to people who might be different uh, than them. And so through First Online with Fran, it's my goal to raise awareness of how vitally important the arts are. And I think that through this program, we, the audience, and I can provide an opportunity to connect the dots, as it were, for people who didn't realize that the arts play such a large role in our culture. Uh, one of the practical ways that uh, I can have this happen is I created a campaign called The First 100 Stories. And what happened was I was reading this book by Chris Cleave called Little Bees. And I won't spoil it for you. I do highly recommend reading it because in the book it's about a journalist who crosses a path with a young woman uh, in a foreign country uh, who was raped and she wants to tell her story. And the young woman says to her, why would people ever listen to me and to my story? And she said, it begins with your story, with one story. And that one story can become a 100 stories. And so that inspired me to consider how I can raise awareness of the arts by reaching out through my blog, First Online with Fran, and asking people to submit uh, 100 stories. Uh, my goal is to collect the 100 stories because Americans for the Arts, which is uh, an organization that promotes awareness of, of the importance of the arts in, our, in the United States and, and all over, and they uh, were saying how they needed stories to support their mission. And I thought, hmm, this is practical. Let's do this. And so I created this blog, 
and this first 100 stories. And coincidentally, I started it uh, the uh, National Arts Education Week, which started, uh, was approved in 2010 by Congress that this would be celebrated the first week of September. And so I put the call out, and before you know it, who is my first testimonial but a former student of mine, Edie Falco? And maybe through my podcast I can uh, reach that 100 goal. And so, so I have all of these stories from all of these people, and that was what struck me, is that uh, First Online with Fran is about featuring, featuring ordinary people who do extraordinary things in the arts. And there are people out there doing all of this amazing work in all of these avenues, and people don't know about it. They don't know about it. And I have to tell them. I want them to know about this. What I see with this podcast, I see three things. The first thing is I want to hear from people out there. And I know you're out there, so get in touch with Fran and tell me your story. Tell me uh, your experience with the arts. The second thing is there are people out there who are doing amazing things. I'm from New York and we have the New York City Roundtable, which is comprised of a couple of hundred arts and education organizations in New York City. And they are doing amazing work with young people out there. I'm most familiar with the creative arts team. They do just, it's just amazing work that's being out there. So my second goal is to have them come in as my guest and share with our audience about the work that's being done and how they are transforming young people's lives through their program. The third facet of my, my objective here as First Online with Fran is I want people to keep coming back. I want them to say, oh, what's Fran going to be up to next? And there's going to be a mystery guest a mystery celebrity guest. And we have one here today that I'm very excited who agreed to uh, fit me into his busy schedule. Uh, but we are going to talk to our guest um, quite soon, aren't we? You're listening to First Online with Fran. And we are Ooh, talking. Yeah. We are talking to Dan McCormick, <laughs> who hasn't said his yeah. name yet. This is Dan McCormick. Oh, okay, yeah. So first, Dan introduce McCormick. yourself. Who you are and what yeah. you do. Okay. Well, I'm Dan McCormick, and I am a playwright here in New York City, along with being an actor and a singer-songwriter. I've been basically born and raised in the Philadelphia area, along with Los Angeles at times and, and New York. So I like to say I grew up in in Philly, uh, Los Angeles, and New York, and it's all true. I spent my 
uh, childhood years all through in the Philadelphia area and moved to Los Angeles where I was trained at the Stella Adler Conservatory. That's where I got my acting training, which really led into my writing training uh, as well when I moved to New York because it was very thorough at the Stella Adler Conservatory. And I, that, that experience specifically changed my life. I have, I went from, as far as my college year, as a business background, I had a finance degree, but it was really never something I really actively pursued or wanted to. I just didn't really know how to pursue fear until I just said I wanted to do it. And there's a long story behind that, but when I moved to Los Angeles, was trained at the Stella Adler. It was a monumental change in my life because for the very first time, I was really exposed to the arts more so than I ever had been before. I went to, at that time, uh, 12 years of Catholic schools, and it just really wasn't a lot of that kind of arts in the schools, and even in the high school years that, that I recall, maybe some, but I, that we were such a sports-oriented family that I really didn't know how to go about pursuing theater necessarily until I became a little bit exposed to my college years outside of the university setting. So when I was trained in L.A., I was exposed really to the great plays and playwrights of all time, from Eugene and Neal to August Wilson, uh, Edward Albee. I mean, I can go on and on, Sam, Sam Shepard, Tennessee Williams. And when I was really breaking down those plays and acting them out, it was a huge influence on me in, in my life. When I moved to New York after spending several years in Los Angeles is really when I started to actively write. And I haven't stopped since, and that's been uh, nearly 20 years I've been here. Oh, God. You know, your mission for your show, I know we want to talk a lot about how that influence led me into, you know, teaching and other areas of arts and education. And along with writing the plays and actively pursuing acting career and music, I did have had the advantage and a really distinct opportunity to work with some uh, a lot of really great schools here in the city. Abraham Lincoln High School I taught at, playwriting and acting uh, for a couple of years. Robert F. Wagner High School I taught at. I got a certificate in arts and education at Marymount Manhattan College. And I know from that experience, after all the things I was able to learn and experience in writing profession while still being active in it and pursuing it my, myself. I uh, had the opportunity to teach playwriting and acting to, to students and have them write their own plays, really giving them a thorough training in the amount of time that I was at those schools, expose them to just great plays that I was exposed to and have them write new material and coming from their own backgrounds. And how that influenced them, I think it influenced them immensely because I think for the you know, many of them, for the very first time, didn't know possibly that they had the ability to write or how do I go about writing it, the feelings that I have inside me. Whether it's a song or a poem or play or screenplay, I, I never really forced it. It was just more of trying to put ideas and thoughts and feelings down on the page and then trying to create something totally new that has never been there before and potentially acted out. I also had subsequent opportunities to teach at various other places around the country because my play on the day and the days that followed, which was about 9-11, was picked up at various high schools and grade schools and a couple of colleges here and there, here and, there and I was able to be flown out to some of these areas and teach creative or playwriting courses and a couple of colleges here and there being a guest lecturer in, in certain times. It was just so that's... Uh, it is, 
much of my background, or some of it anyway, in, in some of the arts and education experience that I've had. If you touch one person, I feel, as the way I was touched by, by studying where I studied, specifically at Lake Stella Adler in L.A., you don't know where what that will lead to. I mean, I bumped in my, old, my acting teacher there 10 or so years later, Deborah Kimmitz, her name. I said, Deborah, change my life. You don't realize how much you changed my life in such a huge, profound way. And so, and I didn't study there all that long, maybe two years. You know, then you don't, life goes on, and suddenly you bump into somebody who is had such a significant influence in your life that you had the opportunity to thank them. And she's actually coming to my play, The Violin, oh. uh, coming up uh, oh, next weekend. So. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. And yeah, talk talk about uh, this latest project that's opening well, at 59 East 59th. Yes, exactly. We are in previews right now. We started uh, September 7th. We run the show opens October 14th, and it's The Violin is the name of the play, and it is directed by Joe Disher. He's a wonderful director, and what a cast that I have been able to work with. Robert Lapone, who was up for the Tony Award for a chorus line uh, several years back, Pete Bradbury and Kevin uh, Isola um, rounds out the cast, and they play Gio and Bobby and Terry, respectively. And the, the, I need to say as well, it's a, a director's company and Shadowcatcher Entertainment production, uh, along with 59 East 59, which is an awesome venue. So far, we've had nearly full houses for previews, and the response to the play has been absolutely outstanding. Uh, I'm very, 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 very fortunate and blessed to be working with such a great, great group of people all the way around. It's been an experience really of my life, theatrically of my life so far. It's been a wonderful, wonderful time. And the fact that the play has been so well received, it's been very, very rewarding to have that opportunity. I'll give you a brief synopsis of the, uh, of the play, and I just actually have it here in front of me. So it's uh, when Bobby, Terry, and Gio, two hapless brothers and a world-weary tailor, find a 1710 Stradivarius violin worth $4 million in the back seat of a New York City cab. It looks like the opportunity to change their fortunes have landed in their laps. The shot at their dreams, however, will mean some quick decisions, testing loyalty and family ties, irrevocable consequences. So there's a lot of humor involved, but there's a lot of drama involved, and that kind of balancing act, it is a really a very, very funny, but very dramatic and very meaningful to the audience as well, and, and to, to me and everybody who's been involved with it. So I'm helping your audience and beyond to you know, come see the show. That's Absolutely. a little bit about the violin, and uh, I have a matinee today. And, Yay, uh, then we, and I, don't yeah, want, we, I know, I, I, we want, before I send you off on your way, where did this inspiration for this play well, it's, I, I know you also came to my play, uh, Homeless, and how we got that way. We, we talked briefly about that, too. And I sort of get this question a fair amount in regards to what some of the influences are. I, all I can say in, in a, on a broader scale is that I write every single day. I feel like I have been given a gift to write. I don't take that gift for granted at all. I work very, very hard in writing something down every single day. often don't know where a lot of the stories come from. They seize their planet by writing and logging material that I, that I, that I have. I'll hear things, see things. The thought will come to me, and I log those things. And once I really decide to start writing 
sit down and say, all right, I'm ready to start writing something new. I have all these things sort of popping out at me because I'm able to create a lot of these, these, these influences and these little seeds that I call them. And then from there, you, it is just sort of this back-and-forth conversation that I have. Also, I don't know who some of the people are. I don't know many times who they are at all or what the circumstances are, but it's a, a pretty a pretty good about writing strong dialogue. So the, the going back and forth with me is as much as it's, it's all for the Q&A. It's going back. I, it's call and response. I go back and forth writing and a conversation. All of a sudden, nine pages in, sometimes he's like, oh, wow, okay, now that's what the story is about. Okay, or that, oh, that's who this person might be. And then you just start layering it in. The majority of my material, I never set out writing at all. And the only times I'd really tried to really get something off my chest where I had, I need to write about this, was with On the Day and the Days That Followed, which is the 9-11 play. And I needed to put that down. A lot of people, friends of mine who are actors, were asking me, Danny, when are you going to write about this? What are you, when are you going to give us some? And that frustration for me of not being able to sort of tell anything about it, I didn't know. That became the influence of the play because the starting point of that play is actors asking a playwright on a, on a dark stage for the words, so we need to say something, experience it, and he doesn't know how to do it. And that actually became the catalyst for, for, for that play. The other one was recently uh, my play, How to Save the Life of Jimmy McClintock. My younger brother uh, passed away a couple of years from, ago from uh, cancer. Those two stories were, were really, really something that I, I wanted, that, where I set out to try to write something about those, those subjects. The rest of the material, including the violin and many, many Melvis Homeless and how he got that way, I can't really say that was, I, I'm going to set out and try to write a story about this. It, it, they just germinate after planting the seeds, starts to evolve. And, and as that's, a, that's, that's, that's kind of what happened with that play. And, and as an you know, artist, so what would you say this week is the national uh, acknowledgement of the Arts and Education Week? And to close, what would you say to those people who see the arts as an amenity, as an extra? I have a business degree in finance, and I also have a huge influence in arts and, arts and education. There is no difference in the amount of influence that, that they can have in, in your life. If somebody's into business and mathematics and all those great things, awesome. That's fantastic. That's where the life influences go. That's fantastic. It touched me in a way as well. But that said, the arts are imperative. It's a life journey and a life experience that is like no other. And I can only speak for, like, you know, here's a perfect example of the audiences that say that you're aware of, like, for instance, that came to Homeless and How We Got There, or now coming to the violin. We're now at the shows in Detroit. That play, those little plays, one was a two-character play, here's a three-character play. And you have audiences from every size, shape, influence, background, monetary background, some have money, some don't. The arts brings people together, all in one space. I like to think from those plays that, have, that I have written that have gotten, are getting productions, they've, they've touched lives. They've changed lives. 
that's what art does. You have all these great people from every profession in the world or around, you name it. They are in, in, in a theater, at an art museum, at an art gallery, at a show. Art brings people together. It is a communal experience. I think that on a human level, that is the most important of anything that you can have in a, in a life's journey. That's my feeling. All you can really do it, you know, you have to, you're end of your, your road, look back and say, hey, man, I, I touched a lot of people with that. What a, what a great thing. And, and I think is... that's what art, that's what the art has the unique ability to do on, on, a, on such a heightened level. And to have it taught in schools at a very, very earlier age is is a profound influence because I know because I've seen it and I've experienced it myself and in the public school teaching by, t- by teaching and you have kids from all kinds of backgrounds <laughs> and in a high school specifically and they're going through their own problems and dilemmas and all that kind of thing and you have all these kids in one room and all of a sudden you are you're all in it together and you, it's, it's a great feeling that they're supportive of one another and they can become friends. You don't you just don't know where it's all going to lead. The more you're able to touch the younger lives and even older lives. He said I didn't really start writing and all that stuff till I, and later in college. Wish I had gotten exposed exposed myself to it more, but that's the way life is and there that's that's the way I'm I think it's important for also younger kids to if there is that little seed that you think that you're you don't know how to do it. You're not in a circle. You're not in the the right neighborhoods or something. It's not taught. You, you, if you've got that feeling, you've got to seek it out. You personally have to go for it. You put yourself in those environments. I, I was reading plays in the back of college classrooms, and I didn't know why I was doing it. I just know that I needed to do it. So it's almost self-training in a way. If you got that scene, you got, if you're not being taught it, then you got to go get it. And, and, and here uh, oh, on First know. Online with Fran... We are going to offer that opportunity for people to get it. Dan, thank you so much for sharing your time, your experience, your artistry with me and with all of our audiences and our to-be audiences. My best wishes and success for you and your show. Thank you so much. Thank you. All of my listening audiences, go see this show. Don't miss Go it. Go see the show. It runs until October 14th, and uh, we're having a, a phenomenal response, and I think they will absolutely enjoy the, uh, the, the show. I, I know they will for sure. So Absolutely. Uh, I, I, yeah, thank you so much, everyone. I really, really appreciate it. And, thank you, Dan. Uh, it's Thanks, been a lot, Dan. a lot of fun. So. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Good luck. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. And there you have it. There you have it. My right? first guest. My first podcast. So appropriate. And I, I mean, he's literally doing this in between shows. And this is the typical of the mm-hmm. generous nature of, of people who I, I get to work with and who I consider my colleagues and my, my artists, friends. And so we come to wrap up First Online with Fran, first podcast. Okay, well, you have to let people know how to get in touch with you to come to your website. Well, um, first of all, they should uh, Google First Online with Fran. uh, And when they do, they will see the link 
for the first 100 stories. It's very simple. It's two questions. There's a form that will pop up. Uh, it's not a test. Don't feel like, oh my God, she's an English teacher too. Um, I do not publish anything until I receive your approval. So don't feel like it gets submitted and then it gets printed out. That's not the way it happens. I will be in touch with you. We'll discuss what you wrote. A lot of times people don't realize how much they have to say. They'll start to say something and I, and I ask them, I'm like, oh my God, I want to hear more about this experience. And before you know it, you know, a thousand words later <laughs> you know, from the person that said, well, I don't know what to say. So go to the website, it's First Online with Fran, F-I-I-R-S-T, the way that it sounds, and you can click on the first 100 stories. And the second way you can get in touch with me is there's a contact link. So you can link on the contact if you have any questions, uh, specifically if you would like to talk about the arts organization that you have and would like to share uh, your work with me, and we can set up an interview so you can contact me that way. And then the third thing is there are so many people who I don't know that have a story to tell me and I want to hear it. This is an opportunity for you to talk about who you are, what you have become or wish to become, and how the arts facilitated that for you. Get in touch. I want to hear from all of you. This program was recorded at Wheat Sheaf Productions and produced by March Hare Media. Go to marchharemedia.org.